Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, this is Jeff Zog from the Dad Awesome Podcast. I love the Crazy Cool Family, and specifically, I hopped into Basecamp. All of these resources, the video resources, the specific guides that let me put the names of my daughters and my wife, and just showing me visually, hey, am I making progress? What areas can I attend more to? So I'm so thankful. I want to encourage you guys to hop into Basecamp, sign up, dive into those first intro videos. It's been so helpful for my family. Hello, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. And today we have, who do we have, Suzanne? Oh, who, who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> now we have Maddox with us. We're so excited. We've had the best summer series getting to podcast with each one of our kids. And today we're going to talk to Maddox, kid number six, thir- second boy of three boys, middle boy, Um, He's just got a really cool place in the family and dynamic. And so we're excited to share with you who he is, what he's like. And I just know that you're going to find some similarities in your own kids. Well, and welcome, Maddox. (laughs) Glad to be here. Yeah. So also, Maddox is literally days away from going to college. But we're not going to really talk about that. Because we cry. cry, Yeah, exactly. Because we cry. So we're not going to talk about that. But it's a great time to talk to Maddox is what I mean is because he literally we're right at that stage where you know every parent's dream and nightmare at the same time (laughs) that you're sending your kid off to the world to college and so we're going to talk about yeah nightmare because all the fears of did i raise them right do they know how to do their laundry are they going to feed themselves you know we're in a class this is the final exam (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly but also dreams because i've done well i'm launching them they're going to be a success i'm so excited for your life yeah, so I want to feel really talk a little at the end, kind of where your heart is right now as you're going off to school, and you know, and what your faith is and stuff like that. But, but let's, let's start talk back about at the yeah, beginning. Let's go back to the beginning <laughs> about when you were. What do you remember when you were just a yeah. little guy? What, first memory. Come on, first memory. First memory. <laughs> Last month, though. No. You were sitting on my knee. I was bouncing <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, we whenever we were going through all of our stuff for graduation and everything, I uh, realized how little I remember from early childhood and from all that but one of the things that was really helpful was going through all the different crafts or different things from the like school projects or pictures from a long time ago or whatever because I'm not really sure what is a memory and what is just a picture that I've made a memory from but um man about myself from early on I don't know like how would you describe yourself as a little kid yeah, I I really like I really don't remember a whole lot. I remember just um, like loving to hang out with friends and people, specifically with Cade, um, his younger brother. Yeah. By how how much difference are y'all? Only two years. Yep. And so we were um, always together for sure. We definitely did everything together, 
um like hanging around because we were homeschooled at the same time yeah. and so we were well and y'all went to mother's day out together and right. it just felt like they were the little guys i mean they were the, they were the little guys the bonus babies at the end I feel like yeah and it's interesting you know it, okay here's some parenting dynamics that you know you had you and michael which y'all didn't get along very right. well and there was a little bit more of an age gap there Four and then years. you and then you did get along very well with mckay you were a totally different um, kid to McKay than your relationship with Michael. Well, because it's a little brother, big brother. So did yeah. you feel burdened as a big brother to take care of McKay? Uh, no, I, I definitely don't. I get definitely not. I, I would say that happened later on, but um, early on for sure, no. I mean, you were just hanging out. Yeah. We just always and I just remember friends. Maddox being, we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast, that being a very uh, go with the flow kid, it was. Except a, for in what area? Uh, eating. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very only, picky eater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and really our first picky eater. Yeah, and our so, only picky eater. Actually, it was one of those things that I was super grateful for. I mean, which is a weird thing because usually a picky eater is annoying, but I just loved it because he was trying to find his voice and he was trying to figure out who he was, and it was a texture thing for you, right? Or I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a good example i usually don't love to try new things in general and so food is just <laughs> was one just of one of when you were little sure, yeah. and it was impossible to get you to eat something well that, like i would I mean, gag like i would yeah. like literally oh, yeah. throw, like oh, yeah. it was not the kind of thing where i was like oh i don't like broccoli it was like no i'm gonna throw up if I have <laughs> broccoli. like i can't literally get yes. this down and i would try i'm the persistent one i would try so hard to get you to try a piece of chicken or <laughs> something that would just eat something besides pizza so he yeah. lived on he lived on um, oatmeal for several years yep. and then pe- and, pe- and then peanut butter sandwiches. Yep. He didn't even like pizza initially, mm-hmm. but we won him over with pizza and he didn't like Chick-fil-A initially. And yep. we won him over with Chick-fil-A. We're like, just yeah. try it. As soon as I started going to school, uh, I had like, I just kind of had to. You yeah. kind of had to, it was hard, it was hard to be picky and you just kind of had to try new things and go for it. And so, but I would say that and, that, and that it was changed. it. That yeah. was it when it came to, you know, cause other than that, he was an easy to get along with kid. He would go with the flow. He was, you know, he didn't throw fits. Like he, um, you said that Macy and him are counterparts where they're both, they're, they're, they're emotional. They're wired similarly. Mm-hmm. Did I say that yeah, right? Yeah, you did. Um, and even where they are in the lineup, the middle, they're their middle, you know, the kids between a big sister and a big, big a little sister, big brother, little brother. Um, but Maddox's um, emotions were radically different than Macy's because Macy would have meltdowns. And I don't remember him ever having meltdowns. No. I don't remember. I mean, it's interesting, too. Even the way they look, if you look at their baby pictures, oh, they're yeah. absolutely identical. And both of them, you know, and, and really just, you know, growing up. One of the things, before we get off the eating, one of the things I want to talk to parents about, you know, we'd never had a picky eater. I remember you saying, oh, my goodness, I would all, you would always kind of secretly, maybe not, I don't know, judge is the right word, but parents that had oh, a picky yeah. eater, oh, and yeah. they would say, oh, oh I, yeah. you know, I'm never going to have, uh, that's never going to happen yeah, to me. Just do this, just yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah, and so, but then you also made some great accommodations, and I think there's a lot that parents can learn there because, um, and I want you to talk about that a little bit, how, you know, we had a ton of kids and we were, you know, going and things were happening and you made some allowances for his picky eating while still not having to make it where you had to do something all the time. Tell them, tell the parents about that. Well, I mean, we just figured out the things that Maddox liked and then we would have those. I mean, when he got old enough, I would empower him to make it himself. And so if we were having something for dinner that he didn't want, then I'm say, go make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or 
or yeah. something like that. And so, I mean, and one of the things, and not to throw you under the bus at all, Don, but Don is actually a picky eater. I mean, there's a list of things, eggs and avocados and tomatoes, and there's a list of things that you don't like the mm-hmm. taste of. And so even knowing- Or the texture. Or the texture, yeah. And so knowing that and seeing that, okay, if my adult husband man doesn't like that, why am I going to force that on my child? I mean- Well, and it was what I want to tell parents is it was a real mind shift for you because you oh, did not yes. go into- Yes, I and, and how you adapted. I think it's just a good mindset to say, you know, you had to, you know, we, we think about, oh, my kid will never do that. And then my kid does it. You know, that was something. And it makes that, me giggle. I mean, now, now it makes me giggle because it's like my kid will never do that. And then they will. And then you're like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, God, for teaching me that. <laughs> thanks, God, for showing me yeah. that. Yeah. And um, and then just, um, you know, Maddox, as you were growing up, uh, do, you, do you remember like, I mean, really, when you were in grade school and stuff, you, you were homeschooled. And then that really kind of bonded you with McCade and, and then entered school in third grade. Life kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah. Life was completely different. Um, going to school, having friends beyond my family or our <laughs> co-op or whatever it was, um, being there constantly, consistently. But I loved school. Um, I was a huge fan of it always. Like I, I loved to learn. I loved doing the assignments. I loved um, being around the people. And so <clears throat> school was definitely an essential part that I think helped me become more of who I am because it allowed me to, I don't know, be around more people and for sure try new things and um, step out of my comfort zone, but then also to learn beyond just uh, mom at home. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of me already. <laughs> it's like, come on, mom, let my world be bigger. <laughs> well, and you, um, and you also, uh, so you would say school kind of gave you some confidence. Definitely, yeah. That and um, I was pretty good at basketball, um, in kind of my grade. And so that for sure gave me some confidence. Uh, and I knew a few people going into it. And so I found friends actually pretty fast, luckily. And so, uh, that was a lot of fun to, to get to do that and to get to be confident and step out into that for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just, I do remember, you know, going back to personality, just that you were not a hard kid, um, that you were, kind of go with the flow you um you know i did have to be careful with you because um you did you did have some emotion about you you know you you were what would you say a sensitive kid in terms of you know compassionate uh very caring about others but also you know if we came down on you too hard or whatever Mm -hmm. you know do you remember that kind of for sure well, and do you, I mean, like Macy, do you feel like that you've got a little bit of a perfectionist in you? So you come down hard on yourself. Like yeah. I, I know like in sports, if you're playing your basketball game or baseball, we'd get in the car and you'd say, I should have done this. Or if I'd done this, I just remember you kind of beating yourself up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anything that y'all would say was like just addition to what I was already telling myself. Mm-hmm. There was rarely anything that was like harsh or critical. And then I was for sure sensitive. I was, I don't remember like why or how or what even stop that i mean i'm definitely still sensitive in some areas where if there's like even a harsher tone i'm like why they say it in that way and i am sensitive to that kind of stuff but um yeah i I definitely think that uh for sure in sports specifically is a is a great example as to perfectionist constantly overthinking or doubting myself and so whenever somebody else doubts me it's like all right just add it on to the pile of thoughts and ideas that are challenging me and so um, yeah, I've definitely, I mean, I started with baseball 
and then moved much more into basketball where I just kind of got it. Well, and I think it was the sports are kind of indicative of how you are as a person because, I mean, literally I I coached most of your young basketball teams and you were the best scorer I had, but you wouldn't shoot. Right. Because you you were always unselfish trying to get people involved. Like, quit throwing it to that guy. Because he's not going to score and you can. And you're, but I mean, but. You know, it was it was good unselfish play, and, and but it, you, I was almost like um, wanting you to do more yourself. But that was just indicative of who you are. You were always looking out for people, always helping people. Um, did you did you know that's who you were, and did you know you were different in that way? Um, no, I mean, like I looking back on it, I can definitely see, uh, like the areas of unselfishness or like the award i kept on getting for um yeah we just looked the, through all this yeah, all the um <laughs> grade year. school stuff was like servant heart over and over and over again and so yeah. i definitely had that spoken over me but um no i mean i didn't looking back on it you kind of see the themes on everywhere but i definitely didn't think i was like uh i i mean i didn't think i was super selfless or was fine i just thought it was a yeah. child living life yeah, I want to go back and just talk to you parents for a second. If you have a child that's got that perfectionist strand in them, please be aware of it. Please pay attention to it. And what that looks like is if they have a meltdown that might not match the the failure, if you will, or if they if you say something to them and they defend back or they or they or they get back in your face or whatever that is, just know that they're beating themselves up. They don't need you to jump in and do that too. And so as as parents just know that if you've got the perfectionist child, then lots of encouragement. Find out what they did right and help them in their own mind see what they did. Because I think that there's usually two responses to like a perfectionist. There's two results. Either they obsess over it or they don't really care over it. Right. They become, I'm, yeah. I'm on the side of apathy and I would rather just <laughs> yeah. not care or not do it or just not even attempt it at all. And But there's a bunch of people that well, are just like, dive I want to obsess just, over it. Well, dive into oh, that so just a minute. Good. So literally you don't want to try things because you won't be good enough at them is that because it comes and it comes across as apathy can you explain that yeah i yeah, mean help parents because i know that there's a ton of parents sitting out there with this child that's sitting in that place of apathy and they have no idea how to reach them well i think it can be countless different reasons i mean there's like we are constantly pulled away by things that are more entertaining than trying new things but um, I mean, I think it goes back to picky eating that there's a level of comfort and there's a level of security that comes in that. Uh, but then like the, the concept that everybody is bad at something the first time they try it was just not in my brain. And so like, I felt bad that I was the only one struggling or not being very good at it. And so you felt like it was only you, it wasn't everybody right, else. Right. For sure. And so like even looking back on basketball and baseball, the two sports I played, I don't remember being bad at it because I was so young playing it. And so all of those things I started young. And so around middle school, whenever I was starting to be aware of trying new things and having to try and especially um, in high school, like NCTC, having a, a full freedom, kind of being homeschooled again, having a full freedom to do whatever I wanted, there was a, a want to stay in the comfort and to stay mm-hmm. in the... Um, what the I known. To do. Yeah, exactly. Because 
if I were to try and do something and it failed, then that w- it's it's just easier for me to not try and not do it and not know because then I, in the back of my mind I can say, well, I didn't give it my all, or it would have succeeded mm. if I did this. There's a consistent thought process of like, I'm not gonna give it everything because if I give it everything and I fail, what do I have left? Like, what mm. is the what is the result of that? Yeah. And it's just so interesting what the thought process is around that because, you know, there's some people, you know, um, Madeline would be an example, just wants to go on the adventure and relishes the adventure, you know. Plows forward. You're not as, your thought process, not that you won't go on an adventure, but I mean, you don't really, when when you have to kind of get talked into the adventure if you will is that or is convince that, yourself yeah that's right the right. value of it is this valuable is this worth it you weigh the cost for sure yeah every time <laughs> yeah yeah well so how so um so to just transition to like parent to kid that dynamic how how did we meet you what did we do to encourage that apathy out of that apathy or that perfectionism how did we do that and then how what would you or or how did we not do it you know yeah, yeah. i think that <laughs> how did we fail you as a <laughs> yeah i think that um a lot of y'all's parenting style with me i think the massive theme i see over it is freedom i think that there's constantly been a freedom maybe it's through choice or maybe it's or through exhaustion necessity. <laughs> yeah. or lack of a kid number six whatever <laughs> <laughs> but there's been a lot of freedom which i think personally helps me a lot because um it causes me to have to fight for myself and, mm. and do things that I want to do. And for sure, y'all were supporting me and y'all were helping me. And there's a consistent, like, mom in your specific way of talking to me and seeing how I'm doing and seeing how I'm growing. And then dad to pushing me and asking and consistent, continual invitation of like a little bit of like pursuit and pushing past what mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. Um, both of those super, super helpful. But then also a combination of, freedom of I I can spend my time kind of however I want there isn't a lot of requirements or restrictions on my time of what I want to do especially in high school but even in middle school like if I wanted to go somewhere mom was ready to drive me or y'all were ready to make something happen and so for me personally that's caused me to um, have a great conversation with myself and how my thoughts work and who I am but then also with the Lord to say if I'm going through if I'm struggling through something or I need motivation, then I'm going to the Lord first and then I'm coming to y'all or I'm going to the Lord first and then I'm going to anything else. But that's because of the freedom that y'all have given me in terms of time, in terms of um, opportunities in my life. Like if if I wanted to quit sports, y'all would have been okay with that and y'all were okay with that. And if I wanted to pursue this sport, like in any sense, there was a sense of freedom of I can do whatever I want, which is helpful. And then there was also like, there's a combination of mom saying, you can do whatever you want. And then dad saying, all right, now let's do stuff. Like, let's <laughs> pick something to do. Yeah. Well, and let's, you know, talk about that with respect to like, uh, I think one of the things that would be like football, because you, right. you yeah. decided you didn't want to play football anymore and you would have been a good football player. I mean, you're, you're six, three now. I mean, you've, you had some reach and some, and some size and would have been. you were at a small Christian school and they desperately needed you and the coach yeah. loved you. So he was like, yeah. come on, Maddox, play football. And you're like, no. Yeah. Right, right. And, and you know, but you really didn't, you know, hitting people, having a football uniform on. So go through that process of just, uh, you were talking about freedom and, you know, and, perfectionism and all that how did that relate to say football yeah and i would say that's one of the moments that i like became myself and made my own path and made my own choices because 
I remember in eighth grade, I was like, how do you not enjoy this? This is just not fun. The heat, the pads, the hitting people. And I'm, I'm not great. It's not that I'm bad and I'm getting it. You I were just, smart. So you were a smart player. Right. But yeah. I just wasn't the best. And so I was like, this is just not as fun as basketball. And so I'd rather focus on it. Um, and so I remember talking to my mom and all of the conversations we had and just kind of realizing that as well of like, oh, I can quit. Like, I don't have to actually do this. And so dealing well, I'm with all the... about the quitting. <laughs> <laughs> but you had a big brother that played and a little brother that played. And so you could have really gotten caught up in it. And, and, you, could and, have and said, I, f- you could have shoulded yourself. Right. Well, I should do this. I and should. that's what I was absolutely doing. All my friends were playing and all like if I wanted like that's one like all of the all the people were doing it. I mean, that's what it's a big culture in Texas. It's the point. Yeah. Um, and so that was a consistent thing. I remember that eighth grade spring knowing I wasn't going to do it like that whole time we were working out, like, are you going to work out football? Are you going to work out off season? And every single time I'd have this thought process of like, okay, I feel the judgment and I feel the pressure to do football, but I, I don't like it enough to actually do it or pursue it. And so there, there was this like, for sure, this conflict of what ew, I want to do versus what everybody's saying. But I just kept on saying, man, semantics, you don't like it. Like you just, <laughs> you just you don't enjoy it. it and you don't like it. And so, yeah, I definitely decided not to do it. I think that that was the beginning. I mean, For the, sure. the 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 um, being picky about the your beginning food, of the big be- yeah the being picky about your food. That was one place where you're like, no, this is who I am, and this is what I like and what I don't like. But I think that was the beginning of the individualist. We don't know exactly what Maddox's enneagram Uh-oh. is, but we think it might be a four. We think because he 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 very much gets an idea of this is who I am and this is what I want, and you really can't sway me. You can't and. You know, I say all the time, I've got all my kids convinced about one thing or another. And Maddox is like, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> and so it's, you know, but it's been fun. And he's really good. Maddox, one of the things he's really good about is um, having a conversation and covering all sides of the conversation. And he, you have a stance, but if somebody else has your stance, then you'll totally hop on the other side <laughs> and have the other side just to play devil's advocate, just to have a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I definitely love conversation. Any, yeah, and so that's another thing, a deep conversation. He's like he's like McKinsey in that. That that's tell us a little bit about your Has that always been I mean, do you feel like that even when you were younger you had deep conversations with your friends and things? I definitely wanted it. Um I I definitely um yeah, like thinking back, even whenever we were hanging out, I can definitely see that we were having deep convos and not necessarily deep convos more of just like we were talking about deeper things to some degree but um definitely moving on and moving up i um i think that one of the the things that changed was really with kinsey and with um talking with her she would consistently pursue uh, me, like even if it was on my bed or taking me out anywhere as I would just consistently pursue that and do that. So and you're saying that you, you, Mackenzie like fed those deep conversations in you, like it was sure. in you, but she watered it and she grew it. And I think that that's whenever I started being, I started realizing that I actually liked deep conversations, yeah. but like the specific moment I remember was we, I had some ba- baseball season, so I must've been young. Uh, I don't even remember when it was, but it was super far away. And so mom would drive me every single time. It was like a solid <laughs> 30, 45 minutes. Oh, I remember so that. Long. Yes, yes. But I started like looking forward to those conversations in those deep, in those car yeah. ride conversations that I, I don't think I had a phone at the time. 
And I don't remember what we talked about, but that just that grew our relationship more than anything I've known or thought of. But that also grew the desire to talk and to enjoy things and to um, like really enjoy conversation and to just the power and conversing. And I realized that um, without me being even aware of it, that I was a external processor where it just helps that the more I talk, the more it, like I realize and the more I understand and the more. Um, I learned like everything I learned so much through other people and what they yeah. say way 10 times more than like reading a textbook or reading a book if they're I'll listen to a lecture for hours like I'll listen to somebody's podcast just people talking for hours just because I want to or I like it but um, that I think that looking back on it it's for sure always been a thing and even if like I was hanging out with my friends then I usually wanted some level of deeper conversation even if it wasn't being had and so I don't know where it came from or what but for sure yeah. uh i mean that's our family's culture as well mm -hmm. is to have deep conversations and so i love those maddox is the kid that comes to me consistently and says dad i remember you said <laughs> six months ago <laughs> this statement and it read it and i learned and this is what i remember and i was like i don't remember saying that well and maddox is the one that he can pull up a quote from anywhere he can he's knows all sorts of lyrics i mean his brain is very high level yeah and listens to lyrics a lot yeah. all the boys do love you know they, they love songs and love to, to talk about the the meaning of songs and the and the, you know loves songs with lyrics not just you know songs that are so music heavy or whatever yeah Okay, so you started talking a little bit about you and Kinsey's relationship. What about the others? Like, how did you fit into the family? How do you yeah. view being the middle brother with a bunch of big sisters? Yeah, I'd say for most of the childhood, I was the off my own. Like, whenever we were done with dinner, me and Kay would go off yeah, and do our own thing. Yeah, because y'all were little guys. Yeah, and so y'all <laughs> would hang out and talk, and we would just go and do our own thing. And so I remember that. And then I think somewhere along middle school, I started to enjoy being around the family and enjoy hanging out with everybody. I do you remember and sisters leaving one by one. Do you for sure? Yeah. For some reason, Madeline was just traumatizing. Honestly, like I was just like, I remember just crying often whenever I thought about her leaving. Cause Mo I really don't remember Molly even being in the Cause house. Molly never really left. Molly stayed local. God bless her. <laughs> but I don't remember her molly leaving this like I, I don't know but then for some reason whenever madeline was leaving it was really big and then me and macy macy did a really good job of valuing me and mccade and um still does yes absolutely mm -hmm. and so there was a connection there um and then mckenzie i felt like i was old enough to where i was like all right i've done this before it's, right. <laughs> it's okay but no i i have i've have a really cool relationship with each and all the siblings and as i've grown up they've respected that in a sense yeah. they don't view me they even when i was in middle school they never viewed me as a middle schooler they kind of viewed me as a high schooler and expected me to be more mature and expected me to be um older which i think carried into almost every single area of my life is that oh i know how to act around high schoolers and i know how to act around people that are older and more mature especially even the, high school girls you know how to act <laughs> yeah around. except they're not normal <laughs> high school girls the, but yeah I, I definitely think that um great relationships with all of them um me and michael had a rougher relationship growing up um but then 
the Lord's redeemed that. In a really, well, and really he cool talked way. about that. I mean, and one of the things that came out of Michael's podcast, if you haven't listened to it, is he said that when you came along, he had been the first boy after four girls, and he had been, you know, worshipped and adored and put on a throne, and you came along, and he was kind of dethroned. Because <laughs> <laughs> he goes, how do you compete with yeah. this cute, tiny little guy? <laughs> yeah. And so when he realized, wait a minute, I'm not dethroned. We can have more than one throne. Then anyway, so he did that. And so, but yeah, that was. Talk a little bit about y'all's relationship the the maybe the ups and the downs yeah yeah um i mean he's my older brother and so i looked up to him for everything and even if you hear in our voice like he's he's come back for the last couple of weeks and a lot of my mannerisms i've discovered are like are very similar i'm like why am i talking like michael what is happening what is, what's going on all yeah. the sisters talk alike <laughs> and so um i just like it's like I, i'm fine whenever he's not here like i have my own, your own stuff person. exactly and then as soon as he's back for a couple of days i'm like what am i saying what is going on <laughs> but um no i mean like literally everything he did i wanted to do everything um except football <laughs> right and that was later on yeah. i did football because of him yeah. and i um yeah started to uh like almost everything I, like he was always right even whenever we were in an argument if he said something like, oh maybe that is true maybe <laughs> that is right i never thought about it that way like he was just the older brother especially being four years older um in a sense he just knew everything and, and he kind of did like in almost all the video games he always had the best strategy and all the um like sp- basketball he teach me new moves and teach me new things and so um that was definitely an upside um, as having somebody to look up to and having somebody to um, kind of pave a path in some sense. And then a downside was that he just, we were just re- didn't really get along um, and he was not the nicest a lot of times. Is that, I mean, I think it's... I would flip that and say he was mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll, even back to you being the big brother, I remember you feeling the um, burden to protect McCade from, Matt, from Michael. Like Michael would come in and, you know, beat you guys up and you would get in, you know, I just remember that yeah. little scene or actually I think maybe Macy, Mackenzie told us about that. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, Michael, Michael's always been physical and likes to fight and that's just not really Wrestle. my thing. Yeah. And so, um, but, uh, like he's four years older than me. And so there wasn't a whole lot of wrestling. It was just him winning the whole time. <laughs> and so I, I, um, I like, I mean, I just didn't like it, but McCade was much more physical. And so I remember us playing oh, this true. football game that's and true. I would record and be the referee and they would just go at each other. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. So that's, that's six years that Michael yeah. has on him. And McCade would fight like it. He loved it. He was, yeah, he would fight and he was a tough, he's the toughest kid ever in right. Right. too. Right. And, and so, he would yeah. jump on tables. Yeah. And yeah. For sure. And so, yeah, there, there was definitely a level of that, but, um, yeah, I just say that he, uh, yeah, that was those were the good sides, and then there's a, a like a, I don't even remember a lot of the downsides um, of like I remember him being mean or you could say bullying if you want, but just I, I don't really remember a whole lot of that um, growing up. And yeah. then if anything, the more thing I remember is once we got into middle school, there was just a distance in our relationship. Yeah, that I mean he was in football all the time. Um, and being like four years younger than he's in middle school, I'm in lower school. Yeah, and you're that's, in eight, he's in eighth grade, you're in fourth grade. I mean, there's a big difference. tough. I mean, for anybody, any person. And so um, once we got into high school more, the Lord redeemed that relationship in a massive, really cool way. 
Well, and then you've even like walked in his pathway because you did NCTC like he did, which is a junior college instead of the have the high school. Well, experience. just to explain what we did, what they did was after their sophomore year of high school, they didn't go to public or private high school anymore, and they just went to NCTC, a junior college, and basically were homeschooled to take credit to get a dual a, credit. So they got high school and then also college credit. Yeah, so you're going into college with what, like 40, 40 50 yeah. hours of, yeah, of I didn't credit. Have enough to do live on campus and so I'm a sophomore as far as they're concerned there you go yeah which is tricky so and then that's the other thing you're following him to Arkansas too so Michael's gone there he's kind of built a life and he's invited Maddox into it and Maddox has decided that he's gonna go yeah into the I mean some sisters are there too so we feel really good about sending him up with family for sure okay so let's transition to the to the last point and so you talked about school and you talked about family and how they've made an impact. So talk about church a little bit. Like what is, has, how did the, maybe your siblings lead you into church and mm-hmm. then what is that happened? And then obviously your relationship with God, we want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it actually transitions really well because part of the redeeming of that relationship is Michael. You and Michael. Yeah. Michael had stepped into uh, being at NCTC we basically have the freedom of a or the schedule of a college student, but you live at home and you're still in high school. And so there's a lot of time that he gets to have. And so he chose to <clears throat> take a massive step into the church and to spend a lot of time investing and being in leadership to some degree as much as he could. And so yeah, um, leadership and youth. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so he had um, taken a lot of ground in that area and met a lot of new people and built, built a really cool small group that whenever I was a freshman and he was a senior, I got to step into that and he got, he built a really cool community that, um, gave me a lot of my friends for that. I've had all of high school. And so the church has been a massive role specifically. I mean, there's been definitely elements of going to different church camps or, I mean, I got baptized and all those different things that happen throughout middle school. But then in high school, that's whenever I chose to have the my relationship with the Lord became my own and became more serious around that time around ninth grade and then um all throughout all of high school I've been heavily involved well so I just wanted to talk about the crisis of belief or is that what you were going to say when you were in ninth grade I remember standing in the kitchen and you saying I just don't know if I believe all that and Molly happened to be here I'm not sure why she was here she was living here right was she living here maybe that's what maybe that was when she was living here and I remember after you had said that and I can't remember what amazing profound thing we said like well that's okay or whatever (laughs) or you know Molly comes in tears are pouring down her face mom what if what if he doesn't love Jesus what if he doesn't love Jesus this is terrible how can you just sit there and listen to him (laughs) yeah that was one of the moments for sure that um i vividly remember and i was just um i was questioning i mean i read in a, a holocaust survivor book and i just the morality of god became really up in the air and started to question it and so I brought it down and we had a a great conversation that started a a whole process so that's one of the moments that a couple a couple um months prior i felt like i got the emotional sense from the lord that i had kind of felt the grace of god very vividly um at a church at a school camp that we went to and that was the emotional side and then uh a couple months later that was more of the logical theological side that I started working on that I was like, okay, who is this God? Who is this guy we're talking about? What are all, and that led to 
even more cool conversations um, throughout all of it. Well, I think it really, you know, it, it challenges what we say to parents a lot that, you know, your kid goes through a faith journey that 13 to 16, 17, sometimes with the kids, it's even longer, but, you know, he can even go through college or whatever, but just being there and being able to be willing to be a safe place and answer the questions. And, you know, it's interesting, like with Molly, she hasn't been a parent for at, at all at that time. Oh, yeah. And so she is freaking out about her little brother. And, you know, I think that's indicative of what a lot of Christian parents do is, you know, oh, my goodness, these alarms go off. And so you're like, you know, trying to lecture them or, right. you know, or and, and convince them into the convince. faith. Yeah. No, sure. no, no. You're wrong. Right. You know, you need to believe like this. And why would you ever think that, you know, yeah. and all those things that parents can say. But in reality, all that does so often. I think if we would have done that, especially with you it would have driven you away more. 100%. And would, don't you agree? I mean, so yeah. talk about that, like what happened in that process from your relationship with your mom and dad. Yeah, and, and so a lot of, like of me growing up, very Christian household, Christian school, Christian background. <laughs> this is who we are and this is what we do. Exactly, <laughs> for me to question that, like there's a lot of consequences if I were to somehow go through the route of me not believing. And so like, in my mind, and what do you think those consequences? What did you think? Well, you'd be labeled a black the- sheep. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the like if I were like I, I'm the kind of person where I, I I'm either like for it or against it, and so I mean I like to sit in the gray and understand both sides. But usually, if I if agree if I agree so strongly in an issue, I will argue against it, and I won't really like if if there's something that I disagree with, like there's a stirring in my chest, and I can't really it's hard for me to hold my tongue a lot of times. And so for that realm, I would have been the atheist kid at the Christian school. You know, if I would have, if, if like worst case scenario, you know, I would have gone that, that route because atheist I, kid in a Christian family. Exactly. Because I was the Christian kid at the Christian school. And yeah. so I was the, the one who I got, that's just, I was the super right holier than thou Christian kid, you know? And so, well, you um, were known for having a good faith. Sure. Yeah. You weren't yeah. like, because I, mean, I mean, you weren't like what I want to explain. The reason I want to bring that up is because you weren't holier than thou. Like you weren't a Pharisee. You weren't because you were very compassionate, but you were just known for having a high standard of your belief. Yeah. I think that um, looking back on my time, I was pretty judgmental because. So maybe you were a Pharisee. Yeah, I really, I really was. Because I like middle school, my relationship with the Lord was I viewed him as a judgmental, angry God. And so that's how I viewed other people as well. And so, um, there is a level of like, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like. It's not like I was like, Oh, they're terrible people, but it's like, I chose to not hang out with certain people, um, because of what they did. Yeah. Uh, Which is terrible. I I mean, like, I I just remember that. Like, it was just, I was very, I was not very accepting. I was very, you're doing something wrong. So you're wrong. And that's right. As everybody's going through choosing to do things for sure. And they try things and fail. And I was too busy being stick in my comfort zone and not wanting to do anything bad and so yeah there is a lot of judgment because i felt judgment from my father not my father <laughs> the father <laughs> but and so there was a judgment from there and so i judged everybody else yeah mm-hmm. and but, so what flipped to, i mean yeah. you said you got a taste of grace yeah. um i would not say that you i would say that you live your life at a high standard now but, you know, I don't see you being super judgmental to people. And um, what changed? Yeah. Um, I mean, just going through it, I was feeling pretty lonely 
through kind of seventh and eighth grade. Um, I kind of pushed back from a lot of my friends and because uh, um, I didn't want to do what they were doing. Or I felt not great about all that. And so, but then around the end of eighth grade year, I, I had, I just kind of felt um, emotionally a lot of the grace of Jesus. I've kind of said it just kind of clicked the, mm-hmm. the idea of salvation. It kind of started me on this journey of realizing this concept of grace, which is insane that we just, we don't, we can never out it and we can never outgrow it. It's this like overflowing waterfall that as soon as there's any dirt on us, it just immediately comes off. This concept that I'm still wrestling with at 18 mm-hmm. years old that I'm like still learning about a couple of weeks ago. And once I got a picture of that, I think it helped me um, see the sin and brokenness and how like um, one of my mentors has said it is that if, if we were to have the understanding that God has and everything, I think we'd be a lot more compassionate. If we were to understand That's like good. how they grew up and how people grew up and like knowing how I grew up, like I, I can understand my thought processes. And so God at a way bigger level understands people's thought processes. And there's a lot of grace given in that because you're like, man, I can understand why you would make that choice or why you would choose that in some way. And so I want to just talk to parents for a second. So while that was hatching and evolving in your life, that was centered around a spiritual experience that was wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. And so the school that we went to had an experience where they took these kids out into the wilderness and they camped for a week. So they got to live in the elements and be surrounded by God and, and have worship and all of that stuff. And so I highly recommend you um, create a spiritual experience for your kids around that 7th, 8th, ninth grade place so that they because they're so spiritually attuned at that time in their lives they're so desperate and so hungry to transition your faith to their own faith and they're asking those questions and so that's a perfect time to put in some of those experiences yeah i won't even want to jump in if you're in base camp in our membership um site free free it's basecamp.crazycoolfamily.com there's a whole course on bringing your kids to Jesus. It's the kid to God relationship. And the last two, we have an acronym, it's called ALIVE. But the last two things, the V and the E, are validity and experiences. And validity means that you, your kids are gonna ask questions. It is to validate their, validate their questions, validate their experience. You know, don't, don't judge their, their questions, validate their questions, okay. encourage their questions. And the yeah. second thing, the E part, or the last part, is the E part, which is spiritual experiences, of, of balancing the world's experiences with spiritual experiences like church camp, like worship nights, like getting involved in the youth group. Those things are awesome because they really do channel your faith, right, and give you yeah. opportunities to grow your faith. For sure. And to make them optional. I remember (laughs) being around the church. I've seen a lot of cons to people that force their kids to go to church. Um, and that was never the case. I mean, we, we came every Sunday. Because you really didn't do well, youth group in, in middle in school. In middle school, exactly. I remember you. I mean, yeah, all the kids did not like middle school youth group. I tried it. Like, yeah, I, and I, they I all tried it. I mean, all of our kids, like, not all the kids in the world. Our kids were not yeah. fired up about middle school youth group. Right. Yeah. And um, and so that's not the case for everybody. Sometimes it they works. Love sometimes it. it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. But I remember that being a conversation is like, do you want to go tonight? That's the question, not we're going. And I get church staff, and that's a different thing that you got to be there. But in any way possible, the more optional, the better. I've seen a lot of wounds and a lot of hardship come on people 
you can just see it. You can see the kids that have been there over They're and over forced. again. Yeah, yeah, they have to be there. And they make the most of it. That's the coolest thing about yeah. it is they find their friends and they have fun, but they're not getting anything out of it. They're not, because like going back to the freedom is that once you make the choice of it, it becomes it becomes your own. It becomes more like whenever I started going to church, I stopped viewing it as y'all's church. It became my church. And even that. though y'all had this history, I definitely, I was like, y'all don't know what Wednesday nights look like. Y'all don't know what I do on a Sunday. I'm serving in a whole new realm. It's, it's my own thing. I know people that y'all don't even know. It's For like, sure. it becomes my own thing. It becomes my own church. Whereas if you're forced them to go every time, there's no sense of wanting to even make it your own. Yep. Oh, that's so good. And that's perfectly transitions to just some final words. What would you say to parents that, that have a kid like you, you know, that had, that have the, the extrovert, you know, maybe not so adventurous. The extrovert perfectionist. perfectionist. The, yeah. I would say I'm much more it, introverted. No, no, not in, no, say, no, no. Uh, I meant to say external processor. Introvert, external processor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, who, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that the conversations, any and all conversations, um, I think that teaching them how to initiate those conversations, hopefully with you as the parent, um, is super helpful because like I like I just kind of talked to y'all and I don't know how that happened or when that happened but I learned how to have conversations with the family and so for me conversations and talking about things is the biggest thing in the entire world and so y'all do a great job of making me feel comfortable and making me feel seen and making me feel known and so like even like looking into <clears throat> parenting other people I have a great relationship with my parents and the main thing I point that back to and the main example is that I can talk to them about anything and I know that and I I welcome that and I um have freedom in that and so that's the number one thing for me has been an open relationship a freedom of that because like I I definitely feel like I can trust y'all but I definitely get the sense that y'all trust me and so that has given me a confidence to looking into college to step out into that of it's not like I'm leaving behind some massive baggage or I finally get freedom for my first time <laughs> or I finally get to try new things. It's like, no, I don't, I've been coming home. Like I don't, I don't have to tell you where I go all the time. I can come because you trust me and you know what I'm um, going to do. And so that's the main one is freedom. And then like a open communication um, that's essential. And then the last one would be to, to pursue and to push beyond, um, I would say you're that, saying we don't push you enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, I would, to yeah good to know. Good to know. I definitely um, would say that. I think that um, there's a freedom and there's a ability to be like, oh, he's doing okay, he's fine. And I think that there's an invitation to where whenever I'm fine, I could be great. And so one of the things That's that good. I've I've learned is the value of being healthy in all the different areas. And so whenever I'm not healthy. I think it's pretty obvious and I tend to put my heart on my sleeve and I tend to show it. And so I, I don't know the balance and I'm sorry to any and all parents, but like there's a balance of like pushing and being there, but then also figuring it out. And y'all have done a great job of kind of forcing me to figure, figure it, it out. out. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, you're not healthy. Discover how you get healthy and y'all definitely helped me along the way, but y'all weren't like, all right, you're not physically healthy. Let's start working out and let's yeah. start like yeah. y'all made me have to find that. Motivation I totally to agree work. with that because, the, and I think, you know, it's, it was a tough dilemma because with you, because you're a great kid. And so right. you're like, 
if I push too much, you know, I don't want to push and cause conflict. The relationship's good, but I've felt, especially these last couple of years, like how do I help Maddox be more of his best? And I am a pusher, as we've all known, that we, <laughs> I am the one that says, but yeah, I can totally relate to that. And so, you know, what I'm hearing from you is, is man, I wish you would have kind of called out even more in me. That's so good. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, for moms, as you tell me that Maddox, I'm like, oh yeah, I could have pushed more, but in my mind it would have been control. Hmm. And I would have come in and, yeah, and done cool. it. And I think that so many times moms do that. I'll come in and even getting you ready for college and stuff. I've bought this and done this and done that. And we just looked at all of it. And I'm like, wow, it's all gray and black. Do you even like gray and black? You know, <laughs> and I've just controlled it all. And so that's a that's a thing too. parents as we go to motivate our kids and push our kids and give them freedom. Where's that balance between coming along beside them? I mean, I see a picture of either pushing them, doing it for them are coming along beside them and saying, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, yeah, let's yeah, go. That's good. Yeah. Or not doing anything. Or not doing anything. Or just yeah. like, yeah, backing out. Like, I don't want to control it and I don't want to push it, so I'm going to back out and not do anything. But I think overall, I still, even though I real, I think as a parent, I could have over the last couple of years or two or three, four years, pushed you a little more. I mean, I think so often we push too much Absolutely. and it comes down to the options you were talking about. And, and also I think that, if you're going to err, err on the side of, and for most parents are not, or most parents need to push less because they're doing yeah. it for them. They're, you know, they're all over. It's more of the helicopter parent yeah. and things like that, or angry parent or whatever it is, because then what happens is, is, and I think what you said is you've developed a confidence and a trust that my parents believe in me yeah. and that I, and I'm now, I feel more ready to take the next step because it's there, you know, and, and you feel like that you're being launched rather than being, you know, that you're going from being controlled for 18 years to right. total freedom. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's so true. I definitely think that, um, like, like for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so the goal is to be free and to be able to walk and to be able to walk, um, free of anything. And so there's even like, there's no bondage or there's no, um, shackles because I'm able to walk freely in confidence of I, I know what I'm doing I know I know what life looks like I know what it can be I can make a peanut butter sandwich I can make a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so and I think that yeah I think erring on the side of freedom is essential I think that like is what what's the worst that can happen is there's failure and there's wounds and failures are usually not as big of a deal they're usually learning opportunities it's wounds that I think that we should be careful of but we have a great healer that can heal mm -hmm. all the wounds yeah. and a great doctor that attends to them. And so I, I definitely think that we should protect against any and all wounds, but um, sometimes the protection can cause wounds. And so um, there's definitely a balance of freedom and of contextual like protection and control. The Lord does the same thing. The Lord is like protects, but then also gives a lot of freedom in a yeah. lot of areas. Well, thank you. Maddox, you're a great kid and we're going to miss you as you go off to college. Uh, thank you for sharing your heart and thank you for, uh, you know, just being being honest. If you're wanting to know how to parent a kid like Maddox, you know, there's another podcast in the back where you talked about how your sin led you to grace. Mm -hmm. And you remember that and, and talking about it's interesting, you know, Maddox is one of those, he's a he's been a good kid, but you know, there's there's things along the way that if you, if we didn't 
parent it well could have caused those wounds you're talking sure, about. Yeah. And, you know, when you were going through the faith crisis and you were, you know, being an emotional little kid and maybe yeah. feel, so uh, love it. And I, I thank you for, for being honest so parents can learn how to parent a kid like you. Awesome. <laughs> that's the that's the deal. Who knows your kid best? We want you to know your kid best. And that's what we're trying to do is talk to all of our kids, see the differences, see the dynamics in the relationship so that you can apply that into your family parents as you're going through your own unique parenting journey. Our parenting journey has been unique. Yours is going to be unique. And God can speak to you in all of the relationships in your family. Any parting words, Suzanne? No. I got none. I'll just cry. <laughs> She's about to cry. She's thinking about you leaving again. So Maddox, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we have one more to go next time with McCade. And he's our 16-year-old. Maddox is 18, launching out. And so we're going to talk to him. Uh, and then we'll wrap up the series, Who Knows Your Kids Best? In the meantime, parents, go be crazy as always. CrazyCoolFamily.com. <laughs>